You know, thriving sounds a lot better than surviving, doesn't it? But I think that if we're honest, most of us kind of can relate to some of those thoughts, relate to just kind of trying to keep our heads above water because just all the things that are going on. You know, it's a great week here at church, though. We need to, we need to pause and celebrate that. We, we had uh, one of our very first mission trips go out from our church since the pandemic started. And we had uh, almost 45 kids and leaders in the city of Philadelphia sharing the gospel. That deserves to be celebrated today. That's an exciting thing. Make sure, make sure you ask one of them who got to go about it. It was a, a life-changing trip for many of them. We also had, uh, had our Casey summer camp, which we couldn't have last summer. We had that down at, uh, at the lodge this past week. We had a large number of kids and leaders there as well. Uh, yesterday, we got to, to mourn and celebrate together as a church family, John McKee and his life. And uh, so great, uh, great week to be a church family together. God's doing some great things. This next week, Dad Fest, please, you know, please invite, please bring people who need to know Jesus. Please bring friends, men who need to be challenged uh, as dads and, uh, and, and please be there uh, yourself. It's going to be a great, great week. But, you know, I think many of us can relate to the idea of just surviving life instead of thriving. Uh, life just gets us kind of uh, worn down. And I, I'm somebody who, who, who thinks a lot and can be consumed by decisions that I have to make. I, I, like to, I like to think about things for a long time. I like to kind of consider different angles. And sometimes it can uh, consume me, whether it's buying something new or whether it's a new challenge or initiative we have going on here at our church that I'm trying to head up or oversee. Or, or even if it's just a kind of a new workout plan, I think about things a lot. I don't know if it comes from my childhood, you know, watching all those A-team episodes. I loved when Hannibal would say, I always love it when a good plan comes together. That's kind of how I think too. I just, I just think that way. And so I think about these things and I think about stuff. But our planning and our thinking can really quickly turn into anxiousness. You know, we're the most anxious people that have ever lived in the history of the world. We think about things. And most of the time, anxiousness comes from thinking about things that are happening here on earth and won't really last that long anyway. We can become consumed by the things that are here on earth. C.S. Lewis, who's a Christian thinker and writer, he warns us to focus our minds on heaven instead. Here's what he writes. Try to listen to this. He says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. It seems a strange rule, but something like it can be seen at work in other matters as well. He says, health is a great blessing, but the moment you make health one of your direct objects, you start to become a crank and imagine there's something wrong with you. You are only likely to get health provided you want other things more. When you focus on good food or games or work or fun or open air, then you get good health too. In the same way, we will never save civilization as long as civilization is our main object, we must learn to want something else even more, and that is heaven. He tells us to think about heaven, and that will solve a lot of our problems here on earth. That's interesting. How many of you have too much joy in your lives? You know, a lot of people have come into my office over the years that I've been a pastor, and no one has ever said that to me. Pastor John, I just, I just have too much joy. I'm just too happy right now. I need you to help me. That has never, ever happened. And that's because all people in all places, in all ages of history on earth have always had one thing in common. And that is we all know what it's like to hurt. We all know what it's like to have pain. 
frustration or struggle or trial. Over the ages of history, cultures have changed and nations have risen and fallen. People groups have come and gone. But suffering transcends all cultures, um, delivers its message to every nation, and every single person who has ever lived on earth has felt pain or hurt. But while pain is a very real part of living here on earth, of our existence, it does not need to define us. We don't need to be defined by the struggles that we face day after day. God actually says that we can have joy even in the middle of them. And that's what we're gonna look at today. Joy is a real game changer. Not kind of fake happiness, but authentic, real from the inside of you joy that comes from leaning into the Holy Spirit. Joy is the game changer that changes life from surviving to thriving. I want to give you a principle that I want you to write down. This is what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to unpack it, I think, from Scripture, do the best I can at least, but I want to give it to you right now. And here it is. A future focus fixes joy today. A future focus fixes joy today. In the midst of the struggles that you're in today, you can have joy if you focus on the future. That's what I'm saying. God addresses this all throughout scripture because pain is a real part of life. One of his disciples had a heart for the broken and the hurting. His name is Peter. And Peter talks about this. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 today. If you want to turn there, we'll get there in a second. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter was writing to believers in Asia Minor, which is today we call modern Turkey. And he was writing to them. They were scattered all over that part of the known world. They were scattered because they were being persecuted by the Roman Empire. And so they had uh, lost homes. They had no land. From an earthly perspective, they were refugees. But Peter reminds them that they do have an eternal home that they can focus on. He reminds them that painful trials are never the end for the believer in Jesus Christ. So would you stand and read with me today? We're going to read 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 to 9 uh, together and see what Peter has to say to these Christians that we can take as well. 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, verses 3 through 9. Here we go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, 
For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thanks, you can have a seat. Like these Christians that Peter is writing to, our natural response when facing struggles or trials is to either try to run away from them or to somehow fight back. And Peter instead gives them an opportunity to live above that and instead to gain their composure and to focus on the hope that they have in spite of unfair circumstances. Now, I think it's helpful to understand who Peter's talking to. He's talking to these believers and they're spread out. They were part of the early church and the early church in Acts, um, you'll remember, started in Jerusalem, in Judea. They were living under the Roman Empire's rule at that time. And in the Roman Empire, you had to worship the Roman Empire. You had to worship the emperor. There was one exception and that was Judaism. All the other religions had to, but Judaism was given an exception that as long as they would offer prayers on behalf of the Roman emperor, they would be exempt from having to worship him. And so early on, the Roman Empire viewed Christianity as a subset of Judaism because most of the first Christians were all Jews. Jesus was a Jew as well. But over a a few years and decades, it became obvious that they were not part of Judaism. Uh, The Jews kicked them out of the synagogues and now the church was starting to grow and not just become Jews, but also be a lot of other people from around the world, non-Jews. And so Christianity then early on became the target of Rome's persecution. And by the time Peter's writing this in the year 64 or 65, so about 30, 35 years after Jesus has come back to life and gone to heaven, the Christians are under heavy persecution. And so these believers, many of them had lost their jobs, lost their good standing in their communities, lost their homes. The things that if we lost, if we got taken from us, it it would just hurt. It would just hurt. It would just make us upset. It would be unfair. We would just be so angry. And so many of them were wondering, is it worth it to follow Christ? Is this really what I signed up for? And Peter writes to encourage them that it is. And so maybe you find yourself sitting here asking a similar question today. Is is this really worth it to follow Christ? Is this getting me anywhere? Or maybe that's not what you're saying, but you are sitting there saying, I don't know that I've ever had joy in my life, real joy. Or I'm just going through some things right now and I could use a good dose of joy. Well, Peter writes to all of us, wherever we are today, that need a good, honest dose of joy. See, it's not that as Christians, we should be the most joyous people on earth because we're just naturally happy. That's not how it works. And it's not that life is easier for Christians than people who aren't following Christ. That's not reality either. But here's the difference. We have a future promise that others don't have. And that is why we can have joy even in the midst of life's circumstances that we're facing today. Remember, a future focus fixes joy today. So in the midst of our struggles, we can think about this promise that we have that Peter writes about. When we lean into the Holy Spirit, he gives us fruit. One of those fruit is joy. Last week, Pastor Mike kicked off this series. He introduced you to this guy right up here, Bobby Blue. Bobby Blue looks a lot like I did in fourth grade, by the way. I like that Chris used that image. That's uh, neat. Although his hair is way cooler than mine was. 
But I was trying, I was trying something like that. Just that one picture. Anyway, so when we lean into the spirit, the fruit of the spirit comes out of our lives. When we lean into the flesh, our old selves, we see death and sin that's in our life. Mike explained last week that before we knew Jesus, we were a slave to sin. The power of sin was over us. We, we couldn't not sin, right? Before we knew Jesus, death was our uh, end. We had this punishment for sin that we could not get away from. We were going to spend eternity away from God. We were a slave. We could not not sin. But at the moment that we accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes, lives inside of us. These are no longer true of us anymore. Instead, we are now children of God. We're not slaves anymore. We don't have the power of sin hanging over us. We actually don't have to sin because now our identity is in Christ. And we no longer have death as our future because we're not underneath the punishment of sin anymore. Now, because of our relationship with God, we have eternal life. These are settled. These can't change. Once I'm a believer in Jesus, once you have your relationship with God settled, this is what it is. You can't change this. But here is where the battle still takes place. Because while we're here on earth, we still have the presence of sin in our life. We still have this old sinful nature, the old self that is battling to take control of us. Galatians that he looked at last week just tells us that over. It says that you will have this battle between the spirit, the new person that's in you, Jesus, and this old way of living, the way that we've always lived. We call that the flesh. And so we have the presence of sin or we have the ability to practice the presence of sin or when we live in the spirit and keep in step with the spirit and rely on the spirit and surrender to him every day, we practice the presence of Christ, we'll see life come out of our lives. And so this is where the battle still is. Today, I wanna look at how this battle comes into joy. How does joy, what does that look like to, to feed the flesh um, and uh, live on this side of things or to feed the spirit. So let's see if we can take these off. Oh, a lot of Velcro. Reminds me of uh, elementary school. I couldn't tie my shoes, so I used Velcro. Okay. And so Peter gives us things in this passage here in 1 Peter 1 that's going to give us joy. And I want to take a look and give you what I'm going to call four joy fillers, okay? Things are going to fill your life with joy. And then I'm going to give you four joy killers, things that we lean into that just steal our joy and take it away. And I think you'll recognize them. They're kind of popular um, today. All right, so the first one is living hope. Peter reminds us here in this passage in verse three, let's read it together, that we have a living hope. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's what that means. Because of our new birth as believers, we have a living hope. That means when you were uh, born the very first time, when your mother gave birth to you, uh, you were loved, you were cared for, but you were born with a dead hope. You were born the very first time you were assured of one thing. Well, two things. One being taxes, two being death. 
you were assured that you would be dead one day. But when you became a believer, you, your second birth, you were born again, you were given a living hope based upon the fact that Jesus Christ was resurrected, Peter says. He came back to life. And so one day when you come to the end of your existence here on earth, you will also have eternal life. And when we focus our minds on the spirit and the living hope that we have in Jesus, that gives us joy today. When I remember in the midst of the struggles that I'm in today or facing today, this gives me joy. When I remember, wait a second, this thing I'm facing today isn't gonna be last forever. I'm not gonna struggle with this forever. One day I'm gonna be in heaven. That makes things happier today. That gives me joy. A future focus fixes joy today. You need joy in your life. You focus on the future that you have with Jesus. Here's the second thing. Peter describes a permanent inheritance in the next verse, verse four. Verse four, he says that we have a inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. One of the most frustrating things here on earth is to get to a place where you had made a reservation and they don't recognize you. They don't look, they don't know that you're going to come, right? When you lose a reservation at the end of a trip, at the end of a long trip, a long drive with four happy children in the back, all you want to do is get to your place, get checked in, get settled and start to ah, relax, right? When you show up at the desk and they don't see your name on their computer screen, it's an unsettling feeling. Peter tells you and me, that will never happen in heaven. Your reservation is permanent. It's kept in heaven for you. It's already settled. It can't be lost. When we get to heaven, no one will say to us, I'm sorry, could you spell your last name just one more time for me? I'm sorry, can I just see your credit cards just one more time? That's not going to happen in heaven. No, it's already settled. We have a permanent inheritance. And that gives us joy when we remember that on the bad days that we have here on earth. Peter even says down in verse 6 and 7 that, that these troubles that come will prove the genuineness of our faith. He says that our faith is something that will last for eternity. He says that it's even greater value than gold faith and things that last forever are even greater value in gold because they don't decay. It's uh, things that are here on earth do decay. They are not permanent. But here's the things we spend most of our lives focusing on. We don't focus most of our lives on our permanent inheritance. No, we think about things here on earth all the time. We think about what we're going to eat. We think about what we're going to drive. We think about what we're going to wear. These are Ben Simmons shoes. They're very cool. We think about who we're going to marry. We think about uh, how we're going to look like this guy. We think about what we're going to do for a living. And we think about where we're going to live. These are the things that consume our minds most of the time. Am I right? These are the things that we spend our time on. And here's, here's the thing that Peter reminds us. What do all of these things have in common? Every single one of them. 
decay, won't last, will get rusty. You'll never look like that guy. I need a bigger house. I want a better car. Why can't Chick-fil-A be in Goshen? Those are the things that we think about all the time. And they consume us. They consume us, right? And guess what? Not only do they never, not only will they all decay and perish and not last into eternity, but you know what else? They don't bring joy. Not lasting joy. For a little bit, for a little bit they do. That new house is perfect until it starts to fall apart. Until you want what the neighbor has added onto their house. That car was great until it broke down. Until you saw what your neighbor was driving, right? That person you married looked really good. Until they didn't. Peter says, you want joy? You focus on your permanent inheritance. You want frustration? You want grief? You want anxiety? You focus on the things that don't last. You focus on the things of this world. Is your mind consumed by where you live, or what you drive, or what you'll eat, or what you'll wear, or who your friends are, or what you'll do? That's a great way to be miserable. And that's why most of us don't have joy. Jesus says there's a different way. You, you got a permanent inheritance. Listen. You're looking for a house with a great view? One day, you're gonna have a great view. You're, look, you're looking for a, a, a real fit body? One that just looks the way you want to look perfect? One day, you're gonna have a really nice body when you get to heaven. So Peter gives us these joy fillers, uh, living hope, uh, permanent inheritance. Number three, he talks about a divine protection. In verse five, he says, uh, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That gives us joy. When you remember that you and I are shielded by God's power. Now, if we're shielded by God's power, if we have a divine protection, then why are we struggling here on earth? Why, why are we suffering? It doesn't make sense, John. We have to remember when God offers us this permanent, this divine protection, he's talking about things that really matter. Things that matter. And remember, in God's economy, what's really important are things that last into eternity, right? And so when, when we think of divine protection, we think, well, well God, my, you know, my, my spouse, my relationship is struggling. Why aren't you protecting that? Or I lost my job or we're losing our home or I don't have the home that I want or I'm not driving the car that I want or my body doesn't look like the way it used to or I don't have the clothes that I want. God, what are you doing? And God never promises to protect these things. God doesn't even promise his protection over our bodies. What does he promise to protect? What really matters? Our soul. When we get to heaven, 
Do you know, we won't care about what we drove or what we wore. A hundred years from now, you won't even remember what your house looked like on earth. A hundred years from now, you won't care what your body looked like on earth. A hundred years from now, you, you, you won't care about what you did for a living or what you wore or what you ate. In a hundred years, the only thing you'll care about is your relationship with God. And God promises to protect your soul with his divine protection. So when we get to the end of our lives, I don't know what your life's gonna look like with this stuff here. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, I know that you have divine protection that he will take you to be with him forever. And that's good news. And that gives you joy. And so even in hard times when you are struggling, because these things are real and we have to be worried about where we live. People appreciate it when we wear clothes, right? These things are important. But these things can't consume us. These things can't be what we, where we get our joy from because it just doesn't last. But God promises to protect what's most important, our souls, with a divine protection. And that's good news. That gives us joy today. And here's the fourth thing. Joy filler number four is the developing faith. I love that. Verse six, Peter says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, but these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, Jesus cares so much more about your faith than he does about these things right here because it lasts forever. These things don't. And when you go through trials and struggles on earth, you can have joy because you know that God's using that to develop your faith. God's going to use that struggle or that trial or that hardship that you're in. He's going to develop faith and that gives you joy even in the midst of that struggle or trial. You're saying, okay, I know God's doing this on purpose. He's giving me a developing faith. You know, those things that you said you could never, ever get through if you had to live through it, but now you look back and you've gotten through them. That grows your faith so that now you can get through the future trials that you'll come as well. You said to yourself, I could never, ever make it without my spouse. But somehow God's gotten you through. I could never, ever get past the loss of a child. But for some of you, you're getting through. and God is developing your faith. I could never, ever face cancer. But for several of you, God is using that to develop your faith. And that gives us joy. See, because in the midst of your pain, God is working. God never wastes our pain. He uses it to build our faith. In the midst of the struggles and the trials that you're in today, you can know that God is using that on purpose. It's intentional. He's doing something with that. Joy will come when we live for the living hope when we focus on our permanent inheritance, when we recognize and praise God for the divine protection that we have, when we have, when we focus on this developing faith that he wants to to do in our lives. See, joy comes, when we talk about living with a future-focused mindset, it's not that we're saying we need to sit around and just think about heaven all the time. That's not necessarily very helpful. 
But when we have that time, when we have that focus on heaven, then we begin to live for the things that matter into eternity. And there's only two things that the Bible tells us will last into eternity. The souls of people and God's word. Those are the only things that will never fall apart or never fade or decay. All these things will. And so what do we do with our lives now to find joy? We focus on investing in people. Souls that will last through eternity. And we focus on, number two, our relationship with God. Because that will last into eternity as well. So Peter says, live for the future. Live for these things. Those are the things that are eternal. That's why there's nothing that brings more joy than seeing a person, whether that's your child or a person that you are mentoring or discipling, growing in their faith. Seeing them take steps in their, in their walk with Jesus. There is nothing that brings greater joy to me or to you than when you see someone taking steps and owning their faith. There is nothing that brings greater joy than in getting to know God better. When I, I thought that God loved me and now five years you know, further down the line, I realize how much more he loves me. That gives me amazing joy. I don't know why he does, but he does. And that gives me joy. It gives me meaning. It gives me purpose. Those are the two things that will give us joy. That's how we live out a living hope or a permanent inheritance or divine protection or developing faith. But then there are things that uh, kill our joy. There are things that are sure to, to, to leave you living and feeling miserable. Number one is isolation. You and I were meant to live in community. You and I were meant to, to live around believers, other people who are help us to focus on the future, who, who, will, who will encourage us and give us the, the, the strength or the tools that when we don't have them, they'll help us to, to stay focused on the future, on what is coming. Isolation has wrecked a lot of people over the last year and a half. We need to be around each other. We need the body of Christ. Here's a second thing that uh, will kill your joy or be a joy killer, sin. There is no more miserable person on earth than a believer in Jesus Christ who is living in sin. Man, I've been there. Maybe you've been there. When we have sin in our life, the shame that comes from it, the guilt that comes from it, the, the, the feelings of like, I don't even know why I'm a Christian or if God still loves me. Those, man, it is just horrible. Sin just takes all the joy out of life. When David confessed in Psalm 51, when, when Nathan the prophet comes to, 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 to confront him, he prays and he says, Lord, would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? Because sin had just sucked it right out of him. Listen, Christian, don't, don't feed the old nature, the flesh. Don't isolate yourself. Don't, don't, don't live in sin. Live in the spirit. Let the spirit, here's another one that just steals our joy, performance living. When your joy is based on how you're doing as a person, that's a miserable way to live. When your relationship with God is, is based upon, well, you know, I read my Bible today, God must love me today. Or I forgot to read my Bible today, God must hate me today. Or I, I, I'm right in the center of God's will today, but next week, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. Listen, when we just live with our joy based upon how we're doing, man, that just takes the joy right out of us. 
When we compare ourselves to other people, how we're doing based on how they're doing, man, I wish I was a better mom like she was. Man, I wish I was a better, you know, husband like he was. Man, I wish I was a, a better, you know, basketball player like my friend is. I wish I was, when we performance live and that's how we base our life, that just takes the joy right out of us. But remember what we said, we have a permanent inheritance. An inheritance comes to those who are uh, in the family, to the children, and we are the children of God. And that's settled. It's not based upon our performance. It's based upon God's work on the cross. When we live in the spirit and we remember this permanent inheritance, we remember that we don't have to live based upon our performance anymore. That's, that's, God could never love you more than he loves you today. He's not gonna love you more tomorrow because you do great things for him. No, he loves you. He just loves you. But you get to work with him. You get to do stuff with him because you're in his family. That's what's cool. All right, and here's the fourth joy filler or joy killer, I'm sorry. And that's obsessing over life on earth. When we obsess about this stuff, like I said, we have to think about these things. We have to take care of our families. We have to have a place to live. We have to have a, a way to get to work. But when we begin to obsess about them, because you know what we do, not only do we think about these things, but we actually shine a spotlight on them. And, and, and we just think all the time, we even write about it on social media. Oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had this. I, I, I can't understand why I never get this. Why doesn't God give me this? And we obsess and think. We post about it. We talk about it. We dream about it. We're anxious about it. And we have no joy. Peter instead says, focus on what you do have, the living hope, the permanent inheritance, the things that really will last these things will never make it into eternity. Only your relationship with God. Only your relationship with other people. I imagine God sometimes kind of sits up in heaven, just kind of shakes his head. I mean, he loves us, but he's like, guys, it's like so obvious. Think about the basic things. Don't think about all this stuff. Think about what I've already done for you on the cross. It reminds me of the story of this woman who lost her husband after 40 years of marriage. After his death, for several months, she sat alone in her home with the shades drawn and the doors locked. Finally, she decided to do something about her loneliness. So she went to the pet store and she looked over the, the dogs and the cats and the fish and even the reptiles, but nothing seemed right. Then the owner showed her one of his prized parrots. Does it talk? She asked. Absolutely, a real chatterbox a friendly disposition, and he has a wide vocabulary. That's why he's so expensive, said the shop owner. Sold, said the woman. So she bought a large, elegant cage for the new bird. She took him home in anticipation. At last, she had a companion, someone she could talk to. Perfect for her. But the parrot didn't say a word. So she went back to the pet store, and she spoke to the owner. Well, you need to buy a mirror, a parrot needs a mirror so that while looking at himself, he will talk. So she bought a mirror. It didn't help. Not a single word from the bird. So she went to the pet store again. He said, well, did you buy a ladder? So she bought a ladder. But no use, the parrot still didn't talk. Then it was a bell. The next week, she bought a swing. Still not one sound from the cage. One day she burst into the pet store, so upset, it died, she told the pet store owner. My very expensive bird is dead at the bottom of a cage with a mirror, a bell, a ladder, 
and a swing. Boy, was she angry. The owner replied, I can't believe it. I'm shocked. Didn't he ever say anything at all? Yes, she replied. As a matter of fact, it did. As it lay there, taking its last few breaths, it said very faintly, don't they have any food down at that pet store? I think we're like that story because it's so obvious what we need to focus on the things that really matter. But we are just so enamored by the bell and the ladder, the elegant cage, the whistle, the mirror, instead of the one thing that will give us true joy in life. Peter met the resurrected Christ and he writes these words 30 years later. And after 30 years of knowing the resurrected Jesus, he was still his motivation for living. And he was still his only source for true joy. Do you spend your time obsessed over things of this world? Do you find yourself isolated from other believers? Do you, are you in circles where you're being encouraged? Do you have sin in your life that's sucking joy from you? Are you trying to live up to other people's standards instead of accepting God's grace in your life? Or could this week you focus on things that last, the living hope you have, the permanent inheritance in heaven that can never be taken away from you, God's protection of your soul, and are you allowing your faith to be developed? Are these the things that have your heart, that have captured your heart, the things that really last? We're going to take a few moments now to reflect on some scriptures from the Old Testament and the New Testament to help recalibrate our minds to what is really important. It is so easy to get caught in this trap of life, to focus on the things that won't last. We need the truth of scripture to reset us. So take these in, ponder these, think about these, and then let's give God our best worship.